Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So, who's ready for the Word of God? Yes, come on, we've got our lovely Simon this morning to come and bring us a word that is on... Well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let him tell you. But it's all part of the love story. That's all I'm going to say. Go for it, Sai. Bless you. Thank God somebody over there started clapping. Was that you, Sarah? I think you got him going. Thanks, mate. Because I, th- I don't think the rest were going to. Good to see you all. So, good to see you nice. Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your word that's going to be preached today. We thank you, Lord, that my life's been changed from prepping this. And we just thank you for what you did on that cross and who you are and for our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So the message I'm going to preach today is something that's dear to my heart. And without it, I would be lost, helpless and spiritually dead. God has literally saved my life. Anybody else in the room that feels that way? Yeah, Yeah, big time. Just adjust this. So, it's no coincidence that last week, Jonathan preached on the cross. Because I've been prepping this for weeks. I know that other preachers in the room are planning on preaching this over the next coming weeks as well. God is trying to tell us something. God is trying to tell us something uh, of how important the cross is Thanks, Lynn. Um, I've been meditating on this for the past few weeks, letting the words sink into my spirit. Um, and it's led me to believe that the cross is simply the greatest gift that mankind has ever received. It really is. It's the foundation of Christianity. It's the foundation of life and restoration. It's the bridge There's no way to God without the cross. There's no bridge. There's no connection. Adam failed us in the beginning. He ate the apple with his missus. And that was it. We're cut off. And then Jesus came and died for us on that wooden cross. And now we get to commune with him. Now we get to speak to him each and every day. It's amazing, isn't it? So the scripture I want to start with is from... I don't know if you've heard of this one. John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or be destroyed and they'll have everlasting life, eternal life, life forever. I also want to share from Isaiah 53 verse 3 as well. It says, But he was pierced. This is to set the scene. This is to give this whole message some foundation to base the words that I'm going to say on today. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our dirt, our wrongdoings, our sin. He was pierced. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And his wounds, and by his wounds, we are healed. 
Now, when you think healing, you think, well, I've got a scratch on my arm or I'm, I'm not very well. And oh, thank you, Lord, for healing. You ever thought about spiritual healing? You ever thought that about family curses that have been passed down to you? I've experienced loads of them of depression and addiction, trying to force its way onto me as a non-believer. And then I came to Jesus and slowly but surely over the years, I've managed to get deliverance and they've been broken off. There's more about what he did on that cross than a scratch on your arm or a disease physically. It's spiritual. Don't forget that we are spirit, soul and flesh. And it all starts with the spirit because God's a spirit. I believe that the cross is much more than logos on churches and crosses on church walls and crucifixes around our necks. If you've got one of them, don't worry, I'm not criticising, I'm saying there's more to it than that. All the Catholics swinging the crosses around saying Hail Marys and stuff. There's so much more to it than that. It's become a bit of a fashion accessory. You see all these American sports stars. I just want to thank God. And they've got a cross there. And it, Maybe they are Christians. Maybe they are. But most of them, if you look at the lifestyles, you will know my disciples by the fruit that they bear. Most of them. Just like the look of the cross. And just to say, I'm a Christian. True Christianity is simply this. There is no way to God apart from through the cross that is Jesus Christ. We've all been bought for a price. And believe you me, you've been bought for a price. You've been bought for a price. And we weren't cheap. We were not cheap. We were bought for a big price. And it was the death of his son. God's one and only son, his begotten son, Jesus Christ. He had to go through hell, literally, for you and me. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, you were all bought for a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. This is the least we can do. So I have a few questions for us all to start. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? What's his personality like? What would you be able to tell me about him? What's his character like? What does the cross mean to you? Rhetorical questions, by the way. But it gets you thinking, doesn't it? How has the cross impacted your life? And are you living in your salvation? Are you living in it? Can you remember where you come from? Can you remember the, the dross that he's dragged you from? When you gave your life to Christ, something powerful happened in the spirit realm. You became spiritually alive. Because when we're born from our mother, from the water, we're, we're born spiritually dead. But then when we give our life to Jesus Christ, then when we confess that he is Lord and Savior and he's the Son of God, something happens in the spirit realm. You become spiritually alive and connected to God. And that's because of what he did on the cross. Powerful, isn't it? Let me give us some examples of how powerful the cross is and how immensely powerful and influential Jesus has on our lives compared to what could have been. Living a life of our own agenda, doing our own thing, thinking that I live a life of freedom. I don't want to go to church. I want to do my own thing. I want to be free. It's far from it. Far from it. Because when human beings go through tough times, we look for a release. All of us do. Whether, you are, whether you've been a Christian for 20 years, whether you're veterans in the game like these people, how long have you been a Christian for? 
30 years, wow. I've been a Christian for 12. Many of you just started in your journey. It doesn't matter. We're all human beings. We've all, we're all spiritually alive and that's great. And we've all got the souls, which is the feeling and the mind, the emotions. And then you've got your flesh that always seems to let us down. We're all human beings. Until we die and we enter glory, we're all human beings. We're always going to be pulled from pillar to post. And if you're not strong in your faith and you're reading your Bible and you're communing with God and you're speaking to him, you're going to vary more this way and you're going to be pulled by the things of the world. And the circumstances and the stresses, like Sos was saying, let's be real, life can be tough. But we look for releases. I've seen this growing up in my family. I see it on Netflix when I watch a, a box set. But most importantly, I've seen it in my own life. And I still do. There's a bit of an error that when you, became, you become a Christian or maybe you're a preacher and you stand on the stage like this and you look really important with a microphone. I still struggle sometimes just as much as I did before I was saved. Just as much as I did when I was just saved. These struggles in our life, it doesn't mean that we're, we're pardoned from them. It just means we've got someone to lean on, someone to help us through which is the way it was always meant to be. But most human beings, we look for release in sex. Can't say that. So I'm a Christian. I don't look for release in sex. There are Christians that are having affairs. There are Christians that are watching porn. There are Christians that are watching all kinds of stuff, looking on Instagram. There are Christians that are struggling with sex. And non-Christians. But we have this thing where we become a Christian and we go, oh, I can't believe, we judge. I can't believe them. Oh, you've seen them down the pub. He's doing this and he's doing that. Yeah, you probably are behind closed doors. We're all going through struggles. Let's not, let's not judge people. But we, as human beings, we look for sex, wrong relationships, drugs and alcohol. We do. All of us. I've seen it happen with family members. I watched my dad struggle with his mental health as a kid and slowly start to lose his business, his family and his livelihood. My hero, my dad. Yeah, if I was to talk about him today, I'd, I'd, I'd probably describe him as a bit of a, not a very nice man, a bit of a waster because he's thrown his life away and he's disappointed a lot of people, including our family and done a lot of damage. But you know what? At one point, this man had it together. He had a family, he had four wonderful kids, he had a successful business, he was a great man, he was my hero. And I'm, a li I'm, I'm, I'm like him in a lot of ways, in some of my good qualities. But he ended up losing everything. He ended up losing his mind. I didn't know this at the time, and what was happening, but what was happening was what the Bible tells us in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy but Jesus came, thank you Jesus. And he said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Life overflowing, life to the full. And what I mean by this is, the devil might not come in the form of the devil with his horns and his stick and attack my dad, but he uses relationships. He uses people around us to influence, to wreck lives. He used next door but one with my dad. He used to go, Andy, that's my dad's name, Andy. But everybody called him Andy because we're all from Nottingham. Andy, are you coming over for a couple of swift ones? Yeah, go on then, I've had a bad day. He'd come back, you'd, you'd hear him having a laugh with his mates over the back. Oh yeah, oh, yeah barbecues and all that. And then he'd come beat me mum up. They'd do the same and then he'd all line us up on Christmas morning and uh, on Christmas Eve. Mum just done a big shop and he'd whack us all, telling us all crap, how crap we are. That's 
how the devil works. He uses relationships to influence people's lives. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of having Jesus Christ. We're not easily influenced because we're planted. Jesus said, build your house on rock that is solid. And that's him. Built the church on solid rock, which is him. Not sand. Sand just washes away in the storms. And that's the life my dad was living. You see, the devil hates families. He hates marriage. Whether you're a believer or whether you're not. I've seen it with my own eyes. My parents weren't believers. And yet he was attacking the marriage. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer or non-believer. But it's the principle he hates. Any kind of connection that honours God. He hates marriage. He hates families that love each other. He hates God's church. He hates community. My mum and dad were happily married. And everything seemed so perfect as a kid. But I watched everything start to fall apart slowly due to my dad's mental health and his past. He had so much justification for why he was the way he brought up. His mum, dad died in front of him at eight years old of an heart attack. His mum died of cancer in front of him at 16 and then he went into a children's home. It must have been before that because you don't go into a children's home at 16, do you? It must have been about 14. So he went into a... A children's home. He got abused there. He had so many great excuses as to why and justifications. And he used to tell us all when he was drunk. Well, I'm doing this. I'm abusing you all because of this. As if it was okay. You see what the devil was doing? He was attacking the head of the household. The man. You attacked my dad and everything else fell apart. And I'm telling you all the, this, this kind of stuff because of what I'm going to do at the end, I'm going to give you an almighty contrast as to a bloke, a strong bloke. My dad was, he was strong in his own way. He was so clever. He could rip an ass back to brick and rebuild it. He, he, he was an engineer. He was so clever. A bit of a know-it-all, but he backed it up with his actions. But he wasn't strong spiritually. He was lacking the foundation. He had all the intellect in the world. But he just couldn't master. He had no control over his life or actions or so he thought. Of course he had a choice. But he chose to act in his flesh. And it took him down some deep dark wrong paths. A bit like a lamb being led to slaughter. You can see that now looking back on the years. He didn't have Jesus. It's as simple as that. He didn't have the cross. He didn't understand what it all meant. He didn't understand what Jesus did for him 2,000 years ago. Little Andy Taylor. That he, Jesus could have broken all of his struggles and his past. But unfortunately the pressures of life that he faced as the head of the household were too much for him to bear. Just like his seven brothers and his three sisters, massive family is from, they all have succumbed to the family genetic curse of mental health issues, alcohol, addiction, and sometimes suicide. They didn't believe, they don't believe in Jesus Christ and they're being led by their own fleshly instincts and desires. They've all got failed marriages, they've all got drink problems, 
They all live lustful lifestyles and they all love the pop, alcohol. But the thing is, as a young man, I was fast becoming that person because I'd seen it, I'd watched it modelled. Yeah, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was out clubbing, buying me flash cars, got a good job. On the outside, I looked like I was smashing it. Oh, he's out every weekend. He looks like he's living the dream. Oh, Simon's doing brilliant. I wasn't. I was dying inside. Dying inside. But God saved me from myself. At the age of 23 years old, God saved me. He enlightened me as to what his son did on the cross. It's because from a young age, I'd seen so much, so much breakdown, so much success fall to the ground. And for what? What did it all mean? I was searching as a young man. Someone said to me the other day, he said, I was speaking to him about my Christianity. Because, <clears throat> I don't know, people always presume you've always been a Christian and you've been brought up in a Christian home, don't they? They always presume that everything's all been all right. I'm like, no, it really hasn't, my friend. It really hasn't. He says, how, as a 23-year-old, did you have a whole old dad on young shoulders and come to Christ? I said, when you get that revelation of God, when you get that revelation of what he did on that cross, it's something powerful. It resonates with you. You know what I'm talking about. Those that are saved in this room, you know what I'm talking about. You see this on Netflix. Um, we was watching Netflix the other night. Same kind of example. It was a partner. A woman had split up from a partner and she's going through a really rough time. She hit the booze. She hit drugs. So I'm saying, I've given you a real life example, but now I'm giving you an example of what's on TV, what's poisoning our minds, what we're watching and we're thinking that that's okay, that when you go through rough times, this is what you do. She split up from her partner. She hit the booze, the drugs. She slept around. She experimented with homosexual activity. She went bonkers. She ended up losing her friends, her job, the person that she loved. And it was painful to watch, but it reminded me of the power of the cross. It reminded me that when we follow Jesus Christ, when we submit ourselves to him, that things can be broken, things in our life that hinder us. You see, in the world and where we were, it's easy to go down these paths. We're not judging like we're, we're perfect. It's so easy to go down these paths. And I think it's so important for us as Christians, the people that are modeling this, to remember. Thank you, Sophs. Remember this. So we can help, so we can bring the light into the world. Some of the most intelligent people still make mistakes. We're not taught in school that we need to lean on Jesus Christ. We're taught to go to the doctors and get some medication. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I give you some really rough examples at the beginning, some quite graphic ones, and some, I've seen some of your faces like, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable. But I gave you that on purpose to illustrate what's out there, what's real life, what people are going through. And then you come to this scripture that saves it all. You give your life to Christ and he's saying, he's humble in heart. That warms me. That makes me attracted to that. Well, he's not going to judge me because he knows I'm going through a rough time. He's humble in heart, he's saying. He's like, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your heaviness and your anxieties and your your strongholds and your bad circumstances, cast them on the big, strong oxen that is Jesus Christ. And we're just the little lambs that just follow. You know how it all works. They've both got the, the yokes on and you, can't, you go whatever, whatever 
wherever the strength is, that's where you go because there's leading. Jesus is saying that. He's saying, follow me, put everything on me and I'm strong enough to bear it for you. I've had some tough times in my life. It's been a tough, tough couple of months for Sarah and I and not something that sounds bad, but it, it pretty much is. We've had our house renovated. It's a three, three week to a month job that's lasted three and a half months of tradesmen letting us down and nothing really gets to me. I can go to war and I'll come out fighting, but you mess with my home and my sanctuary. I'm a home bird. It really gets to me and people making false promises and we've been stressed to the eyeballs. And I've had to kick tradesmen off site and all sorts, which is always uncomfortable because you start as mates and they do a rubbish job and you have to say, sorry, mate, you have to rip that floor up because it's a bad job. It's awkward. It's stressful because it's all within your own home. Because when, when you, you do things in the world, you come back to your nice cozy home and you think, oh, thank God that's over. When it's in your house, I've been through some tough, challenging times. I've been a Christian 12 years and I was thinking thoughts in my head that I were before I was even saved just gets you that way but thank you for this scripture this is where it all made sense for me it says in 2 2 corinthians 12 verse 9 to 10 it says but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that christ's power may rest on me so in the end i've been able to be very gracious to these guys and i've actually got more out of them than if i would have unleashed the frustration We thank God for the crucifixion. What is the crucifixion? The crucifixion was one of the worst death, worst deaths that could have ever happened to anybody. And it still is to this day. It's a terrible punishment. Jesus was beaten. He was whipped with leather whips with ball bearings in them, enough to rip your eye socket out. He was beaten and whipped and ridiculed by big, bad, muscular Roman men warriors of the day his head was pierced with thorns you ever caught yourself on a walk by a little rose bush and a thorn that little prick it hurts doesn't it he had it placed on his skull and then pressed down blood pouring all down his face Jesus was made guilty of these things when they hung him on the cross adultery lies murder robbery and idolatry the perfect son of God was made guilty of all of this. <clears throat> there was a dark cloud that separated God from Jesus, the Bible tells us. And the horrible thing is it wasn't Rome that killed Jesus that day. It was you and me. It was us. We hammered those nails into Jesus' hands and feet. Us. And the crazy thing is, even if I or you was the only person that ever existed, he would have gone through the same punishment. Isaiah 53 verse 3. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. That peace that you feel today as a Christian. That breakthrough that you feel today as a Christian. That's because he died on the cross. It was because it was on him. And his, by his wounds, we are healed. The worst part about that day wasn't the fact he was severely beaten. 
It was the fact that he was separated from God the Father. God, Son, Holy Spirit, been together since the beginning. He was separated. In Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, Jesus cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you even imagine that? Picture your own child shouting that to you. You'd be in floods of tears. He cried out and he said, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Hebrews 9 verse 22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You see, the blood is the most profound thing in the human body. Scientists still don't understand and fully understand how blood fully operates and acts the way it does. There's several examples of the significance of blood um, to God in the Bible. Hebrews 9, verse 18, 22. I'm going to read it because it brings fantastic con context. It says, this is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law <clears throat> to the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll over the all of the people uh, sprinkled the scroll and all over the people he said the blood of the covenant which God has commanded us to keep in the same way he sprinkled the blood both on the tabernacle which was the holy holy prayer temple in, in back in the day I'm not going to go into that and everything used in the ceremonies in fact the law required that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So it's significant what Jesus did. Because he was blameless and sinless, this is why he was the perfect sacrifice. Let me give you an example of how powerful blood can be. So when I was in hospital, some of you may know, some of you may not, but I had leukemia and lymphoma together. Many years ago now, fully recovered, fighting fit. Come on. Thank God. If that's all I need to do to get an applause, brilliant. It didn't work the second time, did it? But I, I, I was, I was uh, thankfully I didn't need a bone marrow transplant, but the powerful effect of a bone marrow transplant is this. I had a friend who needed one. So they tried chemo, it didn't work. <clears throat> so what they said was, we can't cure you, but what we can do is try something. <clears throat> so the way it worked, he was still riddled with cancer. So what they needed to do, they needed to blast Bone marrow is here. It's where the blood factory is, where all your cells start. They needed to kill all of the cancer cells, or most of them, and kill all of his own blood stem cells with chemotherapy to the point where he's that close away from death. And then what they need to do, they need to then search the world for a donor. <clears throat> and what a donor is, it's called a stem cell transplant. They provide, they extract the healthy cells from the donor into a bag and then what they do is then they put it back into the person with the cancer treatment but the amazing thing is this person with a healthy blood is saving this person's life they're standing in the gap and saying you know what i'm going to use my blood to heal you because what the blood does <clears throat> the chemotherapy of the person that's suffering doesn't actually kill all the cancer cells what wipes and mops up all the cancer cells and gets them into remission so they can live a, a life like it never happened is when they, so your bone marrow is basically empty when they put all the new stem cells in this new bag of blood. They walk in, they put the bag of blood on the machine and they pump it in. And what a stem cell is, it's the top of the chain. So you start with the stem cell and then that can make red, platelets, 
immune system cells, it can make all the different cells. That's why they use the stem cell, because then that can develop into whatever the body needs at that time. But that, the new stem cells go into the body and they cleanse the body. Because your own immune system had the cancer and thought that the cancer was okay, so it didn't try to kill it, you look like you're okay because you're part of me. When the new stem cells go in, what they do is they, they cleanse the body. They then say, you shouldn't be here, so I'm going to kill you. Cancer cell. It mocks up the old cells that were in the body, and it also mocks up the cancer cells. So in theory, it clears up the disease completely, which is powerful. This guy went on to live a fantastic life. Now, there is one disease that's not talked about very often, and it's a spiritual disease. It's sin. And what Jesus did on the cross when he was beaten, when he was flogged, to an, within an inch of his life, he did exactly the same thing as a bone marrow transplant. When he died on the cross and he was pierced, all of a sudden our spiritual disease that's not talked about, that's brushed under the carpet in this world, sin was abolished. We were cleansed from all of our inner diseases, for all of our strongholds, whether we've realized that yet, we need to stand in victory and know the promises of God. But we inherited all the promises of God. All the fresh starts, the sin was all cleansed because of what Jesus did. So basically, Jesus has given us all a bone marrow transplant. Absolutely fantastic. If you're a visitor in this place or whether you're watching online, I've got a question to ask you. Do you know Jesus? If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, do you know Jesus? Another question that's really going to hurt some people. Are you a churchgoer? That's worse. God said I'd rather you be hot or cold. A churchgoer is a horrible description. Yeah, I go to church. You want to be saying, I'm a born again Christian. I'm a Bible believing Christian. I believe that the son of God died on a cross for me. To wipe away all my diseases. All my iniquities. Everything that's bad about me. He gave me a fresh start and a bridge to God. That's the way you want to live every day. Never be a churchgoer. It's a horrible term. Oh, People say, oh, Simon, he goes to church. No, no, mum. I'm a Christian. I'm a man of God. I live by the word. I'm different. And I'm proud of being different. Even if sometimes it loses me friends or I, I look like a nerd. I don't care. There's nothing more powerful and strong than being a believer in Jesus Christ and believing in the cross. So I've got a question for you today. What Jesus did on the cross didn't only change us, it transformed us into a new creation, like Kathy said. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that, that we are new creation. Are you ever, or do you ever, or have you ever doubted your salvation? Remind yourself what Christ did for us. He saved us from hell, death, and the grave. But the great news is today, 
I feel like a bit of an American preacher when I'm saying this, but it's true. You need to repent. Repentance, Acts 2, 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does repent mean? Kathy, just come here a sec, please, darling. Repentance is this. And this is what repentance is not. Sorry. Sorry, Kathy. Sorry, Kathy. Sorry, Kathy. It's not repentance. Repentance is, Kathy, I'm so sorry. I promise never to do that again. And I'm going to walk away from doing that. What my dad should have done. That's repentance. Thank you, Kathy. Sorry about your own. I didn't do it hard. Saying sorry just doesn't cut it. Repentance means to turn the other way and walk away from the sin. Change direction. Thanks, Lynn. It's all about repentance. And the great news is today that Philippians 2.9 tells us that his name is above every name. Every disease, every devil, every bad situation, every circumstance, every pain. And I'm shouting because I'm making the point. Let's stand in our salvation. Let's stand in the victory. We are Bible-believing Christians who believe that he is the Son of God that died on that cross for you. Paid the price. You are not cheap. You were worth dying for. That's what I'm saying this morning. You were worth dying for. Each and every person. Anybody that's thinking they're not worthy. Anybody that's thinking that they're not important. It's a lie from the enemy. Because what you're saying is what he did on the cross was all done for no reason. He died for every single person in this room. To heal us from spiritual disease. Fleshly physical disease and also our emotions to bring them into line with what the bible says for he didn't give us a spirit of fear but a mind of love power and a sound mind the mighty name of jesus is above everything that sets itself up against the kingdom of god when you say the name of jesus everything has to come into line with what you say it has to obey you've got people on facebook that say no i called out to the universe and it, and it happened no 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 when you call out and speak the name of Jesus the universe has to come into line with what you're saying 100% it doesn't mean that we say Lord I pray for the winning lottery tickets it's not about that it's about significant life bringing words you can save people's life with your words when you pray it's profound it's powerful it's spiritual God spoke the whole universe into existence with words conclusion is this the world is a very dark and broken place the bible tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers beyond our understanding which means that we need to submit our lives to god every single day to take up the cross daily this ain't no joke people this ain't no church going stuff every sunday this is real life this is daily stuff god's calling us to be his hands and feet to make a difference it doesn't need, mean we need to be Billy Grahams and full arenas and, and, you know, always be on the streets. Although we've got guys that do that. It just means to make a difference in what you've been called to. Your story, your misery is going to help other people. Because you speak with authority with it. No one can take that away from you. So if you're going through bad times at the moment, know that God has a plan. 
So I ask again, do you know God? Who is God to you? Tell me about the cross. Tell me about your salvation. So I'm going to give an appeal. I want us all to stand to our feet as we sing this last song. You know what? If no one comes forward, that's fine. But this, I'm going to give you the opportunity and I want to pray for you. Let's all close our eyes so nobody's embarrassed. I'm going to pray for people. If you want to come to know Jesus, if you want to connect with the cross, if you want to believe in Jesus who died for the cross, the Son of God, to bridge yourself back to the creator of the universe, I want you to raise your hand now. You might be a newcomer. You might have walked through the doors today. You might be watching online. Could be anybody. You might be a prodigal. You might be a person that's been away from God and you've come back. Or you might be watching. Maybe you've been a Christian before and now you're not. But as the music plays, we've got the prayer team at the front. I'm going to ask for people to come to the front for prayer or even raise your hand and give your life to Jesus today. Because it's an opportunity like no other. To give your life to the living God is a sign of strength. A recommitment back to God is a sign of strength. It's saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to repent from my own ways. I'm not strong enough to set my own agendas. I need you, Jesus. I need you. If that's you in this place today, why every eye is closed and every head is bowed, to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord what you have spoke today thank you for reminding us of the cross thank you for reminding us through the worship through the communion through the preaching of the word lord the power of the cross of jesus christ we thank you for our salvation lord jesus we thank you for your blood that was shed we understand the significant principles of your blood that it was perfect and blameless lord jesus and you needed to do what you needed to do in order to connect us as human beings back to the father in heaven and we thank you for that jesus christ we thank you for people that have made decisions this morning in their hearts to come to you to give their life to you to give their life back to you lord jesus you know those people and we thank you for your words that have been spoken today